Hey y'all. So I wanted to start this episode off with an apology. I realized that there were a couple points in my last episode where I was not precise or considerate in my language. As the read says, words mean things and the way we phrase things matter. And that's something I want to continue to be cognizant of on this podcast. Um, Last episode, I mentioned my girlfriend having alcoholism and bipolar disorder and stated that as a reason we did not officially date for a long time. By no means did I mean that she was undateable or unlovable. As a person who has depression and CPTSD, I know just how disheartening it is to hear anything that hints at that, and I'm sorry. I was more so stating that since my father has both these diagnoses and was also my abuser, it was hard for me to get past seeing the many similarities between the two, especially with my own trauma butting into hers. Regardless, I was not careful in my language at all. I also mentioned most of my romantic partners being extroverted and having a harder time during this here panini. Um, The pandemic has been hard on everyone, especially disenfranchised, disabled, and marginalized folks. I was not making light of that. I was focusing more so on the isolation aspect, how I noticed that introverted folks, those who are drained by social interaction in my life, seem to deal with the isolation better as long as virtual and distance options were available versus the extroverted, those who get energy from and seek out social interactions, even if it's only with their people, who seem to get virtual fatigue easier and struggled with not being able to see folks in person and in close quarters. Again, I feel like I did not phrase this with consideration or care. So I apologize and I hope you continue to both enjoy this show and call me out on anything that you feel was an error. All right, on with the show. Hey y'all, welcome to Sunny D, the ponderings of a black, polyamorous, pansexual polymath. That's me, D-Ray. I talk about relationships, relationshipping, intersectionality, tea, and a whole bunch of other shit. Let's get on with the show in our first couple segments. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to What's the Tea? So I did a little restructuring and I combined my two segments into this one segment where I give you the tea of the day and the tea that I have discovered mostly on Twitter throughout the week, current events, pop culture, what have you. So Dryad Tea is a pretty cool tea company for, you know, the D&D and Renaissance Festival nerds. I actually think The first time that I heard about this tea company was from my boyfriend's little sister who does RenFest down in Texas, I believe. And one of her friends is the owner or part owner or something in this company. And so she mentioned to me like, hey, you should try some Dryad tea because she knows I love tea. So I got a whole bunch of their samples. Um, You can go to my Twitter and um, search hashtag Minxie's Tea of the Day, and you can see all of the tea reviews I've done, a lot of them are from this company because I got so many samples. So anyways, the tea today, because of our episode's theme, is Bite Me. So this tea is a cinnamon-free chai that on its own, honestly, I feel like it's mincer- missing that fiery kick of Rayler chai. And it's probably because it's cinnamon free. And it probably is also because it 
has low amounts, I think, of the other spices that you would generally put in chai. Um, so it's it's all right. It's just missing that that kick with milk and honey. It's a calming tea, which is kind of the opposite of what chai is to me. So, eh. um, it has gentle, familiar flavors. So. For me, the taste is reminiscent um, of something between tea, apple cider, and hot chocolate. I have no clue where that hot chocolate comes from because the ingredients in this tea um, are black tea, ginger, darnies, uh, cardamom, clove, safflower petals, blackberry leaves, lime leaves, and apple pieces. So the apple cider makes sense to me. The chai makes sense to me. No clue where that hot chocolate is coming from, y'all. Yeah. As far as the other tea, so this past week has been a very busy week, a slightly stressful week for me, so I haven't really been online a lot. However, just earlier this week, I saw some some conspiracy theory tweets about the queen and whether or not she was still alive because she hasn't been seen, they mentioned her, whatever, whatever. Um, and then, funnily enough, today... Today, Buckingham Palace announced that the 95-year-old queen tested positive for COVID-19. Um, they said that she's only experiencing mild symptoms and she's expected to continue her light duties at Windsor over the coming week. And that's the palace's official statement about Queen Elizabeth. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That bitch probably gonna live forever, to be honest. But yeah, that's that's a little tidbit. I thought that was very interesting, um, at least to me, that <laughs> I just read about people thinking that they were hiding her, her death so that they can put somebody else. I don't know. I, I really don't know. It was a lot of it was a lot of conspiracy theories about why uh, they will be hiding her death or whatever. You know, I'm not from Britain. I'm not English. I'm just a regular old black American. So, I don't know. I don't know nothing about their politics or nothing like that. But, still funny. Alright, so on to the episode. This episode is about kink. Specifically, my journey to kink. So, last episode, I mentioned my birthday resolution back in 2010. I'm pretty sure it was 2010. Um, to be my whole self. And I went on Craigslist and I asked if, you know, anybody just wanted to eat my pussy and then take me home and basically leave me alone. And this black journalist with a puppy, C, he, you know, answered the Craigslist ad we did to do and everything was pretty cool. And we had just kind of a regular, um, no strings attached type friend with benefits relationship. Now... He was the first person who introduced me to some light kink. Um, like, you know, a little bit of smacking, a little bit of hair pulling, some handcuffs, um, some threesomes with said handcuffs, all of that. And he said something to me along the lines of, you seem to really enjoy all of this type of stuff. It's called kink. There's this site called FetLife. You should join it. For some reason, I was real hesitant. <laughs> about it and I was like eh, I don't know about that he mentioned it to me a couple of times and then stopped because you know it's, it's just cool 
to listen to people. Whenever they say no, they give you a note and you keep it moving. And he was a cool dude. So he did. After I met him, sometime after I met him, I met my own again, off again girlfriend. I'm going to call her B. B was a pro dom. And I learned a lot from her about kink. Peripherally, not directly, because I didn't ask her anything. But she had a couple of subs. And when I would be over there or she would come to my place, she would mention things like pegging or, oh, let me reply to this text because I have this dude who's supposed to be doing this thing. Um, or sometimes we would have like a little mini video chat. I was like, did you da 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 today? <laughs> One time I opened her freezer and I was about to get something out of the freezer. And she was like, oh, girl, hold on, because... There is some semen popsicles in there. I just want to make sure that you don't, <laughs> that you don't, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, it just tickles me still. She was like, I want to make sure that you don't uh, be licking some strange man's semen. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, uh, this dude is only supposed to come whenever I tell him to. And when he do does, we just put it in this tray like a, a ice cube tray and put little popsicle sticks in it. And then every however long or whenever, whatever it gets to, you know, a certain level where it's enough, then I give him a semen popsicle and make him eat his own cum. And I just didn't want you to get excited because she knew I was greedy, that there was popsicles <laughs> and you end up just licking some, some strange dude's cum. I was like, all right, fair, thank you. <laughs> I can't, I can't stop giggling. I'm probably going to giggle a lot in this episode, y'all. So I was kind of surrounded by kinky stuff, but I really didn't delve into kink until I met my ex-husband. Now, my ex-husband was not kinky at all, but his best friend ran both a swingers club and this kink group. And so we went to a lot of his parties. And sometime at the beginning of our relationship, we went to this party and I mentioned it on the first episode where one level was kink and there was a whole lot of black folk there. I remember walking up to the kink level and standing in a doorway um, or to the side of the doorway because I don't like blocking doorways and watching this woman flog this dude and it was just so beautiful to me. <laughs> I, I had lots of feelings that I hadn't felt before and it wasn't just attraction or, um, you know, horniness. It was just, it was excitement. It was something deep down in the pit of my belly and I just didn't know what. I just loved it a lot. And so I saw some benches on the other side of the room, walked over to where the benches were. Seated at the benches was this one couple where this dude was kneeling beside this woman and she had her hand on his head. And then sitting beside them was another dude and a woman was between his legs, um, sucked him off while they watched the flogging scene. And then after the flogging scene, the woman walked over, she was whispering to the dude, rubbing on him, and then, you know, she unhooked him from the St. Andrew's cross. They went into a little corner and she was just murmuring to him. She was holding him, murmuring to him, draped the blanket over him. It was just also very sweet. And I, I looked around and there were people doing different things. You know, impact scenes, which is basically beatings, uh, it's more than that, but this isn't necessarily an kink education episode today. So yeah, there, it was just 
I just felt really good being in that room. And I think that people just noticed um, that I was just taking a look and taking everything in. I didn't feel uncomfortable, but I also didn't feel like I wanted to walk around and socialize with folks, really. I didn't, I actually, I don't think that I really did. My ex-husband tried to get me to talk to folks. I was like, oh, you should go over there and talk to them. Oh, you should talk to them. To be honest, the reason he was doing that is because he saw some folks that looked cute and he wanted me to initiate the conversation to see whether or not, you know, we could join them in doing a scene or something. But I wasn't about that at that time. In that very moment, I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to look. I just wanted to observe. And it was great. Part of the reason that it was great is because there were so many black folks. When I tell y'all there were so many black folks, there were so many black folks. <laughs> it was the ratio on the first level was probably like 85, 15, as far as white folks to other folks. And the ratio of upstairs was switched. And so I felt so comfortable. And then at some moment, one of the ladies came up to me and introduced herself and then was like, hey, how are you doing? It seems like you're a little new. I was like, yeah. And then she and another lady who came over um, a little bit later talked to me about, I don't know, kink. They just were like, what did you see that you happen to like? Um, have you done any of this before? Where are you from? Simple getting to know you questions mixed with trying to see what skill level I was. And then see, once seeing I was a newbie, kind of just giving me a little guidance, telling me that, you know, it was really good to see uh, somebody new and interested. And if all I needed to do the first few times was observe, that was recommended. Um, and then at the end of it, they said, are you on Fat Life? And I said, no, but it was mentioned to me. And they said, you should really get on it. This is my Fat Life name. Friend requests me once you're on it. So I went home. I joined Fet Life. My first Fet Life name was Penthouse Princess. And that's because my ex lived in the apartment underneath the penthouse. I hadn't moved in with him at this time. I still had my own place, but I stayed with him a lot during the week. And he called me Princess. So whatever. My ex was very adamant about helping me fill out my profile and wanting me to put certain stuff in my profile so that he could look attractive. He also started a fet life and off topic, but he put on his fet life that he was like, uh, I can't remember what age he put, but when he met me, he was an almost 50 and he put like 40 in his profile and I would go in and change it to his real age, the entirety of our relationship. And he would always get so frustrated and be like, I don't know why FetLife did this. I didn't even put in my birth year. Why does it keep changing? <laughs> and I was like, because you a lying bitch and I'm going to change it. Anyways, so I put up my first FetLife profile, which was very, very heavy on me being in a relationship with this man and um, that I was new and just looking, put in some pictures from some events that I went to and then jumped in. I was a sponge, y'all. FetLife is a cesspool. However, however, it had a lot of resources. It had a lot of knowledge. There were a lot of discussion groups that were great. You have to 
chew the meat and spit out the bones, as my mama always says. And there was a whole lot of meat to chew on on that site. I believe by the time I found out about FetLife and joined and started digging into all of the things, I was already a host for some of the swinger clubs in the area. Like I said, my ex-husband's best friend ran a swingers club and this peripheral kink group. I was doing graphic and web design and event management as an independent contractor when I met my ex-husband. And at first he tossed it over to his best friend that I could do graphics and stuff for the clubs. And I did Um, a lot of promotional graphics and stuff like that. And so I was the host for the off-premise club, off-premise meaning that no sex or anything like that happened in the club, on-premise being the swingers club where you can go to another section of the club and play. So I was the host for this off-premise swingers club and some of their underground parties I was the bartender for. Once he told, once my ex-husband told his best friend how I was getting into kink, he was like, oh, she can help me with some of these other parties. So he also asked me to be a host for the kink group's parties. Once my ex-husband mentioned that I also was in event management to this dude, he extended um, an offer for me to help him with planning the events and not just hosting or bartending. So I started being the host slash event planner for a lot of the underground parties and also for the glory hole club which is exactly what it sounds like where once a month we set up a very sophisticated glory hole wall when i say sophisticated there was lights on it a little dial on the back where you can turn your light on so people would know that station was occupied and the other ones were or weren't a little come button where the person on the other side presses that button and it flashes on the inside so that whoever was on the other side knew that the person was coming and could decide what they wanted to do with it. It was really, really great. Um, I would like to say that I came up with a lot of cool things um, for (laughs) those parties, mostly just because I knew how to throw parties. And also I listened to people whenever they said, wow, this was cool. It would be nice if da, 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 da. Like with all these upper middle class white cishead dudes running everything they didn't really listen to the other folks who had great ideas and like the come button directly came from you know people in the back talking about how they wish that they knew um we always have food because i am a greedy bitch but anyways that's going too far (laughs) into the parties whenever i want to just talk about I really just want to talk about my journey to kink, but this is part of it. So once he um, found out that I was into kink, he was like, oh, well, you can help me with some of my kink things. How can I make my kink parties better? So I started working on how to make things better for his group just from things I learned on FetLife. I, at this point, I don't think, no, I hadn't. At this point, I had not been to a kink club, like a club that was specifically just for kink things. There were quite a few in my area. I had not been to any of them. So I researched, I 
ask questions. And the first collaborative event that I did with him for his kink group was a big ass success. I would like to say that. So much so that I convinced them to have a permanent um, dungeon set up in our underground parties. Now, eventually the underground parties and the Glory Hill parties moved to my house, not my house, my ex-husband's house, which was a huge house, huge. And it was just us in it. So there was lots of rooms to have the swinging events and the first level for all of just the social interaction. And then the bottom level was just kink. I created a dungeon and it was great. So anyways, back, 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 back. Before everything became super amazing and my kink parties became eventually so successful that I was asked to help out with other kink clubs um, setting up for their parties, their big parties. Let's back, 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 back. Let's back up to the point where I was still learning about kink, but just starting to throw kink parties. All right. Since nobody around me really, um, because at this time, me and C had drifted apart. Me and B were on again, off again. She was running off sometimes in one state, sometimes in another state, sometimes overseas, you know, whatever. I didn't have anybody around me who really knew about kink. And I wanted to know more about kink for both personal and kind of sort of professional reasons. I looked for mentors and eventually I got two mentors. One was Dragon, who was the epitome of a sad boy. Now, I didn't know this at the time whenever I met him. Um, He was in some groups and shit that I was in and hit me up and it seemed like he know he knew what he was talking about so I listened to him he was a daddy dom who was super into sensual play and rope now him saying that he was a daddy dom and saying that he was more into sensation play soft sensation play specifically and into rope made me want to research those things um, and learn more about different kind of doms and the different kinds of play and all of that and he also was supposed to be a mentor to my ex-husband because my ex-husband was not kinky however he saw that there were a lot of fine folks who were into kink and he really did not care about anything but getting his dick wet so he was like this is a vehicle where I can fuck more people And so I need to learn the language, the lingo, what is and isn't acceptable, what all of this stuff means. So Dragon, old sad boy, started teaching both of us under the assumption that my ex-husband was going to be like my main dom and he was supposed to be my daddy dom. He taught me some things that like I would never, ever do now, like made me change my FetLife profile to say that my husband was number one and everybody else will be under that because that is the way that the dynamic is supposed to fall. Like he he literally told me like you have one dom and that dom is the person that sets the stage for everything else. Like he, he has total control over everything, period. 
And I'm just over here like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess if I want to have a power exchange relationship, I have to give this person all of the power and make it so that he is at the top. I don't know how I feel about this, but if this is the way that it's done, then maybe I should just try it. <laughs> I'm here to tell y'all that y'all can have kink relationships within non-monogamy and have it be non-hierarchical. Y'all can pick and choose what parts of kink you want to have with each partner, okay? Don't let nobody tell you otherwise. But I didn't know that at the time. So I was listening and I was like, oh, okay, oh, okay, oh, okay. And then I started going to kink clubs. Now, I didn't start going to kink clubs until I met Dragon because I didn't feel comfortable going by myself and my ex didn't want to go unless he had unless it was guaranteed that he could fuck so dragon was like you haven't been to a kink club you need to go let's go look at some events on fet and we'll find an event and we'll go to a club together and i will introduce you to all of my friends so he went to a club that wasn't far from where i lived at the time and that night was a one-on-one night a lot of king clubs do this where basically at the beginning of the night, they have stations set up and each station is a different aspect of kink and they have folks who know about those aspects do demos. They'll do their demo and you can stand in line to have it tried out on you like electrical play. They'll do electrical play on somebody and then you can come and hold your hand out and they'll just like shock you a little bit just so you can see what it feels like. There was needle play, impact play with floggers, bull whips, paddles, what have you. There was some rope guys there. Um, just a whole lot of stuff. And so Dragon had a fuck saw, which is basically a dildo on the end of a actual motherfucking like drill. And it just goes, and it just rams into you. Not to be confused with a sex machine, which is a machine that stands like on a tripod and it pushes it in and out of you. Or a Sibian, which is like <laughs> a little mound with a dildo or a finger attachment or whatever kind of attachments mounted to the top and you straddle it and it goes in and out and around and around. So he had a fuck machine and he was doing that demo. And while he was doing that demo, I just walked around and looked at things. A demo that I really stopped at and enjoyed was a wax play demo. And it was amazing. After the scene, the top took a knife and scraped off all of the wax. And I was like, wow, that looked like some shit I would be into. So I went over, I stood in line. The dude who was doing the the wax play demo, we'll call him General. Eventually, I came to the front of the line and he asked me, what do I want? Do I want to just feel it on me, see what it's like? I said, well, yeah, let's let's see what it's like. Can you just give me a little bit um, of knowledge? Because I haven't done this in like a sensual play way before, but I've definitely spent a lot of my childhood pouring wax on my skin along with some other stuff like dousing my hand in alcohol and then lighting it on fire and putting the fire out when it started to get too hot. Growing up, I did a lot of edgy things. <laughs> and by edgy, I mean things that were 
uh, dangerous that I should have been doing as a child. Anyway, so he started telling me about the different kinds of waxes that he used, get different kind of candles that he used, different kind of equipment that he used, like a crock pot full of wax and how he and how the different pours felt like it was pouring from a candle versus from a ladle. Um, the different types and the different temperatures. And he was like, this is this temperature. This is this temperature. This is this temperature. If I hold this one closer to you or if I hold it higher up, what it would feel like, all of that. He did a couple drops on my arm. I said, great. Can I do a full scene with you? And he was like, oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I don't think that he was expecting that for me. He was like, yeah, just wait a, wait a, wait a little while. And once I get through with this line, we can have a scene. Okay. Uh, now, whenever Dragon heard about this, he was very upset because him and I were just starting a little relationship or whatever. And he was really jealous that I didn't consult him about this dude. And I was like, what? We here? I, I, this is my body. Um, I didn't realize that this was something I had to consult with you about, but okay, cool. Keep it in mind for the next time. So then it was my time to have my scene with the general. I distinctly remember him having a big tub of coconut oil beside the wax. And when he first showed it to me, he was like, we put, you know, a light layer of oil on to protect the skin before we do a heavy waxing. And also that it helps get the wax off afterwards. I'm like, okay, great. And I distinctly remember him putting the oil on me when our scene started and remarking loudly about how it just absorbed into my skin so fast and he had to put so much more on than he had to put on other folks, which should have told me just, just then that I was the first black person that he had ever done this on. And I was, I found that out later. We did a wax scene and it was wonderful i remember one part of the scene he poured wax into his hand i believe and his hand was like right at my crotch and then just cupped my vagine and that shit was wild that was an amazing feeling <laughs> all right so at the end of our scene he started scraping off the wax with a knife when he did it in the demo he just scraped it off, threw the wax away, gave the person some water, a blanket, all of that, which I learned later was aftercare. Very important. When he started scraping the wax off of me, I had a very intense reaction. And he looked at me and said, do you want me to keep going? And I said, yes, please. And so then we had a knife play scene. <sighs> Y'all? Yeah, that I don't even have words. Um, <laughs> turns out the general was super, super interested in edge play, like knife play, fire play, breath play, sadistic rope, really, really into precise serving um, subs. So yeah, yeah. I started talking to him more and of course dragon was real sad about this but i was like this is not things that you like to do you like force orgasms and catering to me whereas the general really is hard and i like that aspect of kink as well maybe even more so so anyways um i started inviting the general to some of our parties especially because i thought after 
that first event, it would be really cool to have demos at the parties that I was hosting. So he would do demos at those parties, usually on me. And it was, whew, child, it was great. He lived far away. So when I invited him to these parties, I tended to provide food for him, provide him a room so he can spend the night and then drive back to his house or whatever. So at one of these parties, he had asked me to make him some stuff beforehand and said, hey, this is a test, just so you know, just to test out our chemistry as far as a DS relationship. And this excited me to no end because at this time, again, sad boy, dragon sad boy was moping and very, very soft. And my ex-husband was not into kink really at all. So I was super excited. I went above and beyond. He was very pleased. And during the party, he asked me if after the party, we could have a scene uh, that involved sex. I said, okay. The scene was pretty good. And then he went to sleep. I went to sleep in my room. The next morning, he left, but then sent me a series of messages basically talking about how his submissive was um, very upset by what we had done and also made some mention of, you know, it being me being another race also being an issue. So around about this time, I started noticing some similarities in the kink in the swinger community. They are intermeshed in some ways, but then not in other ways. There is a little Venn diagram that can be made of the swinger community and the kink community. But specifically in my area, I noticed that I had become the token black behind the scenes chick. There were not a lot of black folks that were the organizers of these things and for the swinging side for the private parties there wasn't a lot of black attendance and that was specifically because they felt like they could only invite a certain number of black people unless it was a glory hole party in which the stereotype of the black bull was so at the forefront and in these public clubs and parties I did see more black folks, but I was looking at the way that they were treated. And it was just, y'all, I don't even know. That 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 is going to definitely be another episode about the way black folks were treated in the swinger and kink community when we are not the majority. I went to a few kink things eventually where there were mostly black folks. I found a black organizers and we hit it off and I still know some of them today. Um, I know of a lot of them, even though I don't talk to them. But anyways, around this time, I started noticing just how much I was isolated, how much I wasn't around folks that looked like me while I was on this journey. And it was sad. It was disheartening. I felt like I started out being myself and saw just how othered I was by being myself. And so I started being this other person. And the other person wasn't super different from who I was, but it was more that I masked a lot of things. Yeah. So anyways, back to the story. While I had these two mentors is when I met my boyfriend, Daddy. And he kind of told me about his form of doming, which was also very sensual and protective and that he would call himself a daddy dom. And I said, oh, okay, I know what that is. You know, my daddy dragon is 
a daddy dom and yeah he was he's been teaching me about this but then when I started dating daddy I noticed the stark differences and I was like whoa daddy bear which is I still call him this sometimes but I used to call my boyfriend this a lot to distinguish him from daddy dragon he was a much better dom much better at listening to me and letting me have my own autonomy while still being a dominant. We are told not to compare. However, comparison can bring the light. A lot of negative traits, a lot of manipulation, a lot of abuse. And that's exactly what it did. Oh, also, daddy showed me impact play because at that time I didn't get a lot of impact play I was really just doing rope stuff with dragon and a whole lot of edge play with the general but then met my boyfriend and he was super into impact play and I found out so was I and he also did edge play once this stuff happened with the general about him mentioning that my race might be an issue with his other partner, I just pretty much just stopped talking to him, period. And I did all this edge play stuff (laughs) with daddy instead and eventually broke up with Dragon. Now, Dragon at some point in time moved in with me and my husband. I can't even remember the circumstances surrounding it, but he did. He also wanted to date my on-again, off-again girlfriend, B. I mentioned in the first episode how B and Daddy hit it off and started dating. And then the three of us started dating in the triad. um, And then me and her broke it off. And he continued to date her for some time until she decided that she needed to focus on her health. And they have since broken up. But Dragon saw that and he really, really wanted to talk to B as well. B wasn't really into um, him as far as dating him, but did say that she was really into him for her to be for him to be her sub and he was like I'm a dom I'm a dom but you know I guess we can do I guess we can do things and it's so funny because he thought he was doming her but from all the things that I saw the way that she talked to him the things that she told him to do what they did together she was low-key doming him but just telling him yeah yeah you're my dom now do this <laughs> and he's like she's a brat and i'm like oh, there are brats and then there are doms but regardless eventually me and dragon broke up and moved out all right at this time as i stated before i started having a thriving um, event management business for the alternative community Um, By this time, me and my on-again, off-again girlfriend were on, had daddy, I had my ex-husband. Now, my ex-husband started to get super jealous because I was so into kink. Now, a lot of my identity was tied up in kink at that time. Honestly, it still kind of is now. I am a very kinky individual. I like a lot of things related to kink. But he saw this and saw it as a detriment because I was moving away from swinging so much and more into the non-monogamous leaning towards polyamory and kink world. 
And that was not where he was at. He wasn't trying to be there. And I was okay with him not being there. I would still go to some kink parties with him. But he also had lots of other partners that he could take to kink parties. And he did. Um, not kink parties. Um, swinger parties. And he did. And he got to host, basically just be there and greet people or whatever, the parties that I was putting on. I, I, I was the host and everything, but they still knew him. And to be honest, for a lot of the folks, they respected him more than me because he was a middle-aged, cishet, white dude who looked like he had a lot of money. Anyways, he tried more to get into kink. Didn't really like any of the shit. <laughs> and he only really wanted to fuck, like I said before. Um, I had started going to events that were not mine not in the immediate area where I was and that were hosted and promoted by black folks. I loved it. He would come to some of these events and one of them was at this playhouse and there was this black pro dom who I got close to for a little bit but then we lost touch with each other. She was there with her sub. B was there. Daddy was there. I was there and my ex-husband was there and she wanted to do a scene where her and B co-topped her sub. There was a double-sided St. Andrew's Cross at this place. She was like, oh, if we can get another sub, that would be cool. Deanna, maybe you want to be, but I really would like it if it was a dude. And because she was super hot, my ex volunteered. B was like, D, how about you help us co-top? And I said, all right, cool. I don't think that I am a top at all. I think I am straight up a bottom, straight up a submissive, and I don't like nothing to do with topping. Except when she put that collar on this man, and by this time, I have, I have started recognizing that maybe just because he wasn't hitting me didn't mean that he wasn't abusing me because there are different types of abuse. And he's definitely trying to emotionally manipulate me and just being all around stupid. So I was not in a good place with him at that time. And as soon as she put that collar on him and was like, here you go, I felt really good. And let me tell y'all something. You should not be doing impact play with somebody that you do not like. You should not be doing impact play for the purpose of, you know, making somebody feel down or less than. Unless y'all have agreed that degrading is part of the scene and you're not actually degrading them for real, for real. You're doing it as, you know, part of the play, part of something that they enjoy that gets both of y'all off. Well, I can tell y'all that I was definitely, it was definitely getting me off and it was more, more cathartic on my end than anything else. Um, y'all don't do that. But at that time I was like, huh, I wonder if I could feel like this, if it's somebody else that I'm not upset at, but I would want to make them feel good by making them feel bad. <laughs> so yeah, so in the middle of beating his ass, that's what I was thinking. Um, at the end of this, by the way, he was very, very, very upset, was moping all the rest of the weekend because he didn't fuck at the end of that. He, after he got off the cross, um, the other Dom did not take that collar off him. He walked around all night naked with that collar on and at first was smiling so big because he was like I did a thing and now I deserve to get fucked and he did not all night and he was so upset 
it's great. <laughs> so anyways, I decided, let me try my hand out at being a dom. And there was this dude in New Jersey that B was talking to. And she had too many clients at the time. So she said, hey, do you want this dude? He can't afford me. And it's pretty new. So I can like coach you on some things and he can be your first sub. I hated that shit. Let me tell y'all, I hated that shit. Um, I don't think it was the distance so much so that I just, I think in order for me to have been a top to a white mask leaning person i would have to have a emotional connection with them because i wouldn't feel any connection to them otherwise and i really need to feel that connection in order to be a top in order to enjoy that power exchange in that way at that time i didn't need it so much the other way when i was a bottom i didn't feel like i needed an emotional connection per se with the top because I just wanted the sensation. But now, as I've gotten older, it doesn't matter if I'm topping or bottoming, I need that connection. I need some kind of connection because it's not just about the sensations. It's not just about the play to me anymore. It is about the connection. And I know that I have less of a natural connection with white mask-leaning folks. So if you are a stranger in that category, I'm not going to feel a connection with you. I'm not going to be able to top you or bottom for you. Whereas with other demographics, it's easier for me to form a connection or to see the commonalities that we have with each other in a broad sense. And it's more about individually connecting before that scene. Nowadays, to be honest, especially with the isolation of COVID and focusing more on cultivating the relationships and connections that I do have, I think I wouldn't do anything with somebody that I already didn't have a connection with. So anyways, where was I? Ah, yes, the New Jersey sub. Yeah, I hated that experience from top to bottom. And I thought at that point, I guess I'm just not a top. That was just a fluke, that one thing, just a fluke. And the times that I topped B were special circumstances. So yes, at this point, I was super deep into the kink community. I also was pretty deep into the swinger community. I had lots of friends there. I had started knowing all the black folks there and building relationships with the black folks while also building relationships with all the other um, swinger groups and the kink groups and collaborating and doing a lot of event management. And then the whole situation with my ex happened. And I don't know, maybe I'll do an episode where I just talk about that relationship because it was a dumpster fire. So I was in the middle of starting some really big things when I left my ex-husband. I really should have left him earlier, but the straw that broke the camel's back was him majorly trying to take away some of my autonomy by giving me a packet of things that I should and shouldn't do in ways that I should and shouldn't act. And when I asked, what if I don't agree? To some of this he said you could leave and i picked up my purse and walked out of the apartment now the period of time between when i left him and when we got divorced he did a lot of things some of those things included telling mutual friends and acquaintances that i was brainwashed getting me pushed out of his best friends groups 
telling other kink and swinger organizers that if they continue to let me do things or if they continue to invite me to things, if I showed up with anybody other than him, he would do certain things at their parties. Um, And instead of telling him that he was banned, they told me that I was. Not every single group, but enough of them. That coupled with the fact that I was dealing with his stalking, his death threats, the stress of a new job where I traveled at least once a month, protective orders, divorce hearings, all of those great things. I just didn't go to events anymore. I was stressed. I was caught up in handling my business. And also I was terrified of going to things and knowing if he was going to be there or not because he was stalking me and threatening me. I didn't know who was on his side, who was on my side. I would tell folks, certain folks, what he had done. Like there was a person who was both of our friends. Neither one of us brought him to the relationship. We met him through the relationship and I worked with him with events and I told him about the things that my ex-husband was doing. And he said, well, we all have friends that we don't totally agree with. So, you know, I can't just stop being friends with him and I can't just stop inviting him to stuff. So you're going to have to learn how to coexist. And I'm like, coexist with this person who wants me to die. Okay, thanks. Also, my ex-husband had done some not so great things with members of the black community. And so I didn't want to reach out to certain folks because I didn't want them to have to dredge up the trauma and the bad thoughts that he put them through by saying, hey, this is what's happening to me with him, yada, yada, yada. So I pretty much just took myself out of both the swinger and the kink community. And to be honest, I haven't joined back. I have reconnected with a lot of the folks um, that I knew, not the behind the scene folks, not the folks who are organizers and stuff like that. Although a couple of them have tried to reach out to me, but it was the ones who didn't listen to me. So <laughs> I'm not trying to, to engage with them. But I have talked to some of the folks that my ex did dirty. I have talked to some of the folks that I was close to whenever I was in the swinger and kink scene. And I have rebuilt a lot of relationships there. But I still haven't really gone out to the community. Like I haven't joined any community online spaces or even looked up to see if there are any in-person things going on to dip my toe back in since vaxxed, boosted, masked, and tested, I have a plan for going out and doing things. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. Stepping back into this community that I feel so strongly about, that I had so many good memories in that I think is important. This entire time that I've been outside the community, I really figured out some things about myself that I didn't know back then that I was still parsing. Like the fact that I am not totally a sub. (laughs) Uh, It seemed like a lot of people around me knew that I was a switch. I didn't know that. I've managed to have lots of awakenings about how I want to operate in kink. I've had a lot of awakenings about 
things that I want to do in kink, my identity in kink. So who am I in kink now? I love bottoming for edge play and for sensual play and for rope play. I really enjoy being a service sub. I enjoy power dynamics a whole lot. I love hard shit. Yes, I said I love sensual shit, but I love hard shit. I love humiliation, being degraded, sadistic rope, getting beat, like hardcore. (laughs) I love bodily fluids way more than I thought I did. Way, way more than I thought I did, y'all. I like pet play. Yeah, so those are the things I like bottoming. But like, I also am exploring these toppy urges. I love the idea of pet play as a top, as the handler. I love the idea of impact play (laughs) as a top and rope. That's something I'm really recently getting into y'all. And I knew that I loved rope as, as, as a bottom, but like learning rope as a top, it really feels super powerful. And I don't know why I thought that I would never, never want to be a rigger like I remember saying that to somebody like I would never want to learn how to actually tie people that is a lie I'm learning and I'm loving it although I'm still way too shy self-conscious to do it on anybody other than my huge me-sized teddy bears but I'm trying to get out of that because I do have folks that it would be really cool to explore that with together I've done some fire cupping and Regular cupping and some fire play as the top. Really cool. Electric play as the top and the bottom. Impact play as the top. Oof. I am I'm I'm learning that I'm really into that. Also sensation play as a top where it's either sensory deprivation or also just overwhelming the senses with different kinds of sensual touch. Yeah. So there are things I have totally figured out as a bottom that I like, that I can communicate very adequately. And then there's the dom or the top side where I am still learning myself. And because I'm kind of sort of a perfectionist, I I wish that I was looser. <laughs> I wish I felt more comfortable um, being vulnerable and saying, This is a thing that I am not good at at all right now, but I really want to explore it. Um, And I want to explore it with you. We can just try this out and talk about it. And yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning to be more vulnerable. That's something I'm learning in therapy. Um, But I have to get out of my own head because I'm definitely a perfectionist. And I feel like, well, first I have to master all of the things about this before I even bring it up to somebody else because... I like this person, I care about this person, and I want them to have a great experience. Am I the person (laughs) who they can have this great experience with? And a lot of times I'm like, probably not, I don't know enough. When the answer could be, probably so. And y'all learn together. So yeah, that's my journey through kink. That's where I currently am. As far as kink goes, hopefully I never stop learning and I never stop exploring and I never stop discovering things about myself, things about others that I'm close to, 
I really love the fact that there are so many ways to express your sensuality, to express your sexuality, to express so many emotions that we have, so many desires that we have. And I really, really love kink for that. I promise you that you may think kink is just one thing, but there are so many aspects of kink, of BDSM, of fetish life that you may find what you're looking for. You may find something that really piques your interest within the kink community. Recently, I've taken some actual baby, baby steps into acknowledging the kink community again. My girlfriend invited me to help her out with a burlesque show that has some kinky aspects to it. And that was my first time back in a dungeon again for the after party and watching that, even though I didn't really participate in anything. Being at the club kind of sparked me into examining why I'm not in the kink community anymore and why I haven't intentionally searched out the black kink community. Maybe I'm ready to to really jump back in, but it it's definitely not feet first. It's really dipping my toe in. And uh, that's all I got to say. <laughs> the end of that got pretty, you know, heavy for me. Not heavy in a necessarily bad way, but I got very emotional, choked up a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, that's that on that, folks. This podcast was produced, mixed, recorded by me, Sunny D. Theme song mixed by Jamile Callaway Pinkney. This episode was transcribed by some random person, aka the fugitive doctor. Thank you to all of my generous Patreon subscribers. If you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash sunny D with two E's pod, or you can search sunny D. Feel free to join our Facebook group, sunny D pod, and also like and follow my page, sunny D. You can find me on Instagram at SunnyDPod, on TikTok at SunnyDMix, and my ratchet-ass Twitter at LilWildMix. And that's it. Stay foxy, y'all.